while you're finding a Bible and while you're finding the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is kind of in the middle. It's after Psalms. It's after Proverbs. It's a little 12-chapter book in between Proverbs and the Song of Songs. Um, it's a book of poetry. It's a book that not everybody likes reading. It's not a, it, some people find it a bit depressing. Uh, I love it. Maybe that tells you more about me than it does anything else. Um, I, it's, it's full of wisdom, I think. It's full of wisdom that we maybe don't really want to face sometimes. Um, and I've, I've enjoyed it. If you're using a church Bible, it's on page 678. If you, that's where I'm going to. Chapter 11. Chapter 11 of Ecclesiastes. And we're getting you. If so, if you're if you're more kind of upbeat than I am, and we're getting to the end of this series in Ecclesiastes. So, you, but uh, we've got two more weeks. So I'm going to read um, chapter eleven for the, the first six verses, which say, "Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land." <coughs> If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning and at the evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. I don't know if that sounds a bit like a riddle to you, but uh, I, I've spent a lot of time sort of just, uh, just so you know, but oftentimes when I'm pre- preparing a sermon, I just sit and read this, the, the, the scripture and just let it soak in, you know, let it, let it, um, because sometimes you read it and you think, what is that going on about? You know, and what is this talking about? And sometimes it's just good to sit with Scripture and just let it soak in. And, and it kind of sometimes often does things to you more than speaks to you, if that makes sense. You know, if you don't necessarily understand it, it can still um, speak to your soul. Um, but let me, I'll tell you, um, well, you know, I've titled all these, uh, these uh, sermons on, on Ecclesiastes with a different title. This one I've titled Speculate to Accumulate. Okay, and that's, uh, that's a phrase that comes from somewhere in business or something. But a friend of mine who is a musician, uh, Ian, a French horn player, he would, he would encourage me to do some of the most terrible gigs sometimes uh, by saying, Rich, you've got to speculate to accumulate, man. And what he would mean by that in his terminology was like, if we take this really bad gig, badly paid, it may lead to another one. You know, you may, you know, you may, you never know that in this gig, there may be somebody in the audience who just loves the tuba so much that he will pay you to do a much better gig next time. That was his thinking, you know. So we were often doing these gigs on the basis that we were speculating to accumulate. What I found was that NAF gigs lead to more NAF gigs. So, <laughs> so if you do a badly paid gig, um, you end up doing more badly paid gigs because people think, oh, we can pay these people not very much money and they're doing... Um, anyway, which leads me to another phrase that Pete, you know, Pete, Piano Pete, he, his phrase is, you make your bed and you lie in it. So basically, <laughs> if you're going to do money, for this amount of money, then that's 
what you'll end up doing. But anyway, speculate to accumulate. That was that's the, the, the thing. So if you look at verse one and two. Um, different translations put it differently some say cast your bread upon the waters that's a more old fashioned sort of translation cast your bread upon the waters and the idea is invest don't hold back give out, give of yourself there is a return for your investment you know when, when you, back in those days if you were to um, if you were a merchant you would put your, you'd cast, literally it would be like putting your stuff on a ship and sending it out it would be like casting your stuff on the water you know what's going to happen will it get to its destination we don't know will they pay a good price for for it and it come back we don't know but we have to try right so we've got to cast this stuff out and see what comes back so it was a kind of a business venture really in a way and so today you could really read this and sort of saying in faith we're saying nothing ventured nothing gained in faith and I'm going to tell you what this isn't, first of all. And some, this may mean something to some people. It may mean nothing to other people. So if, if this means nothing to you, you can switch off for five minutes. But um, i tell you what this isn't. What this isn't is what is known as the prosperity gospel. Has anyone come across that, that terminology? Uh, name it, claim it, uh, wealth and health. This kind of idea that if we give out... And particularly if we give to the church and particularly to the pastor, um, <laughs> then God will bless me. Yeah? And, and so if I give uh, enough uh, to God, God will see that I'm doing a good job here in giving, and so he'll give back to me in greater abundance. So um, let's make sure the pastor is blessed. This is what the teachers will say, by the way. I'm not saying this. This is not what it is, okay? Let's remember this is not. But the, the, the kind of teaching goes, you know, bless the pastor, bless the church, so the pastor can drive around in a Mercedes and live in a big house and have a swimming pool. And, and the church can have electric... Actually, Keith and I have thought about having electric gates. It would be just really nice if we could turn up on a Sunday and click it and it just opens rather than have to get out and... Or Chris, when you're closing up at the end, it'll be... Anyway, give so that we can do this, you know? That's, that's, and because if you give, though, you'll be blessed. Because you'll have even better electric gates and you'll have a Mercedes too. That's because God will bless you. That kind of idea, and I have to say, it's a false teaching. That if, that if we give with... Almost like we're treating God as a slot machine. You know, I put money in, and I'm looking for a bigger reward out, you know, because I, I, I put my money into God and or I pray my prayers into God and he will, he will just, it's not like twisting God's arm, you know, look, here's my faith. And we're doing it in faith, okay? This is, this is the teaching goes like this. If you, if you give in faith, then God will bless you even more. Um, and I rarely speak against um, other sort of doctrines or other churches' ways of looking at things. You know, I... I I think there's a lot to be gained from looking at other churches and how their different doctrines and saying, OK, well, whilst we don't agree with that, we can learn from it. But I think in this instance, if you come across anybody from the, the, the wealth, prosperity, gospel movement, I don't know where there's an awful lot you can learn from it, I have to say. And, and so I, I, there are teachers like Kenneth Copeland, if you come across him, or Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, I would, I would urge you to avoid them, you know. Um, I'd be very wary of people who give examples and I've heard this in church and they will say something they, I've heard a preacher give an example and he'd hold, held up a five pound note and said it was like I gave this and then he had a fifty pound note 
which we don't often see 50 pound notes, right? And he said, and then God gave me that. And I'm like, hmm, it doesn't work like that always. You know, because I don't know about you, but if you read the New Testament and sort of suffering, um, sort of simplicity, humility, they're all the kind of things that Jesus is kind of like, yep, we're into those kind of things. We're into, we're into people living humbly. And so it doesn't mean to say that we can't have wealth, but Jesus is looking, that's not what this is all about. The gospel isn't about wealth and money. In fact, Jesus teaches against money quite, not against money, but he cautions against money quite a lot, doesn't he? I've also heard a preacher say, you know, in the ministry, I, I, I had this house and I had a hot tub. It's amazing how these things sort of seem to generate, sort of come from America. But anyway, this is how it was. Had a hot tub and, and God called me to move to a different church and I had to give up my house with a hot tub. It's like goodness my heart bleeds for you you know <laughs> but you know what in the new church the house was even bigger and with an even bigger hot tub and praise the Lord I'm thinking hmm okay I don't know whether this is what this is about um, and I think when we have a focus on increase and personal wealth it's a very narrow life if that's our focus I would say to you get, get a life <laughs> there's more to life than that you know, it's a very thin, weak and flimsy way of life if, if all we're doing is, is actually just seeking God so that he will give us more stuff. Ecclesiastes itself says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. And in true Ecclesiastes style, this too is meaningless. So I'm setting out because you could read this and sort of saying, well, yes, Cast your bread upon the waters or ship your, your grain across the sea and God will bless you and he'll bring back more. I'm saying that's not what this is about. Okay, so let's, we'll park that on one side. I won't mention it again now, but you know where I stand on that one. Um, instead, I think this is a challenge to step out in faith in all kinds of things and trust God in all kinds of things. You may have heard some people say this before, but faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Do you get that? Yeah. R-I-S-K, risk, yeah? No, but, oh, yeah. I know I said I-R-I-S-K. Okay. <laughs> Inland revenue, no, no, R-I-S-K. Um, faith is spelled risk. You know, if we want to walk in faith with God, when P- Peter got out of the boat and, and Jesus said, come, come to me, when he was walking on the water, what was that like? That was kind of, I, that was a risk, right? So faith oftentimes is, is, is risky. But this isn't a call to recklessness, but it is a call to reckless faith. And it's a call to not be overly cautious or overthink things, but dare to trust God and allow him to make things or break things. And in all things that he's holding that. So we cast our bread <coughs> in the waters. We, we set our grain out in the boat and we think, okay, it's out of my hands now. It's a bit of a risk, but I'm going to trust in God in faith and allow him to take it through. Verse 4, which says in the NIV, says, whoever watches the wind will not plant and whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. In different translations, it says, if you wait for the perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Another version says, don't sit there watching the wind. Do your own work. Don't stare at the clouds. 
Get on with your life. I love that. See, there are different personality types, and we look at this kind of thing in different ways. You know, there are those who are very impulsive and make decisions quickly. I would count Louise as one of those people. Abigail probably too. Abigail very much so that way. Okay, and there are people who are a bit more reflective and take their time. Procrastinators, some people call them, and I would count myself as one of those. You know, and probably Ella too. So I'm just wondering, let's have a quick show of hands. You, you don't have to be embarrassed, but who, who would say him makes decisions quickly and just kind of, yeah, I know what I'm going to do, I'm going to get on with that. Who's, who's a, yeah, Wendy, Shari? Okay. Can I put my hand half up because I think some days I'm summoned. <laughs> okay, all right, so you're a half and half. Yeah, we, yeah, it depends on the situation, doesn't it, sometimes. So who here struggles to make decisions quickly, would you say? Yeah, okay. And, and who here can't decide whether they make decisions quickly or not. <laughs> yeah, okay, because... Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? So the majority of us actually were more kind of... Hmm. Cautious. Cautious, thank you, yeah, okay. Now, none of those characteristics are right or wrong, actually, by the way. So, and sometimes we get, you know, I could be with Wendy and she'd be like, come on, let's, like, see, the same with Louise. She would say, let's just go. And I'm like, go where? Well, it's, good, it's a nice day, let's go out. And you're like, what? Hang on, you know, haven't got the right. And some of us think, that's just wrong. You can't live life like that, you know. And likewise, Louise often just gets, you know, well, I have to pack this and I have to pack that. And have I done this? Have I double checked this? And she's like, Neither of those two things are wrong. They're just different personalities, okay? So don't get frustrated with people. They both have their strengths and weaknesses. And these verses speak to the people who are cautious and a bit indecisive and a bit... Actually, perfectionists. We, I talked about this with um, another pastor the other day. He said, what, why do you think I procrastinate so much? He was saying of himself. He said, I think it's because I'm a perfectionist. And we don't do things because we're not quite sure they're going to be quite right. So we wait until the right time... Do you know? And, um, and so this verse speaks to those procrastinators, myself, and those people that are hesitant and saying, there's a bit of God saying, just go for it. Trust me. Trust me with this. And to those who are a bit more spontaneous, the, other, the two people in the room, and well, two and a half, um, this is all more sort of saying, well, yeah, be spontaneous, but... Even when it goes wrong, because sometimes it goes wrong when you just go, isn't it? God is still there. He's still holding it. And do what you do in faith. Don't do it just because you think you know what you're doing. But just allow God to, to, to be involved in it. So I'm just going to look at some of these verses. In verses 3 and 4, it says, If the clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. This is basically talking about weather forecasting, okay? Who loves the weather forecast? Yeah, who, who gets up in the morning, actually, and is the first thing they do on their phone is just check the weather? Oh, okay, interesting. Ah, and it's interesting that two people that are spontaneous do that as well, okay? Because I have to check whether to check the weather. Well, yeah, okay. So speaking about the reality of the weather, because at the end of the day, you get up in the morning, and you would like it to be a nice day. Maybe Reg wants to do his gardening, you know, or Keith wants to cut the grass, and you'd like a nice sunny day, but it's forecast for rain. In fact, it's going to rain all day. So what can you do about it? Oh, don't know. Not nothing really, and it's speaking a bigger picture really because it's saying in in life, this is the reality of life. Things happen, like rain does fall, and when it falls, people get wet. 
You know, when the wind blows, as we know here actually, every tree along here, we used to have loads of trees along this side, and every time there's some wind, at least a tree falls over and knocks the fence over. Well, it's, you know, really gusty. Not a lot we can do about that. There's one left. We're waiting for it. <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's life, isn't it? Stuff happens. And we really have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, we've got our stuff booked in the diary and people we might want to be seeing, but they, stuff just happens. Wind blows, rain falls, and, and stuff happens. Um, and, and basically, as it says here in a different translation in, in verse 4, farmers who wait for the perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. And so I'd ask the question, how do we look for the weather forecast in our lives? You know, this is being metaphorical now. You know, are we looking for an excuse, uh, metaphorically, for, for not doing things? You know, like sort of saying, well, you know, tomorrow it might be wet, so it might be too cold, it might be too windy, it might be too hot. But particularly with British, right? So as soon as it starts getting warm, we say it's too hot. And then in the winter, as soon as it starts getting cold, we say it's too cold. We're just like, nobody's ever... Pinto, this is, I'm afraid this is where we are. We're strange. We're never happy with the weather. You know, we're always looking at the weather for an excuse not to do. And actually, we can be like that in life. There's always a reason why we don't do. We're putting off. But effectively, verse 4 is saying here, 3 and 4 is saying, um, you'll never go out if you're looking at life like that because something might happen. You'll never do any activity. You'll never do any work. You'll never plant any seed. And that applies to the weather, but it applies to life in general, doesn't it? I don't know if you know about these lists in the Daily well, not lists, these the warnings in the Daily Mail. Anyone read the Daily Mail? Don't have to show me. Um, I know Reg doesn't. Uh, he reads a different paper. He reads a different paper. But in the Daily Mail, apparently, there's, 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 you can go on websites and they'll show you lists and lists of things that the Daily Mail has said will give you cancer. <laughs> okay? So, it pretty much... But the, and the thing is, if you read the Daily Mail... Everything gives you cancer, you know? So everything from air pollution to air travel to aspirin, beer to belts to broccoli, caffeine to candlelit dinners to cats, and that's just ABC that I went through the list. You can go through the whole list. It all gives you cancer, and you start to think to yourself, oh dear, I better not eat anything, and I better not do anything, and I better not go anywhere, because if I do, it'll give me cancer, you know? And it's that kind of fear mentality that we live in this world around us, like, ah... And none of it's helpful, is it? <laughs> really, when you stop and think about it. None of that is helpful because it just causes fear, it incapacitates us, and if we listen to it, we think nothing's safe. The condition is never perfect. So if you listen, spend your life listening to the world's predictions, we will become very insular, very inactive. You know, oh dear Brexit, oh dear climate change, oh dear economic disaster, all these things, and we never do anything. But this verse is encouraging us in faith to say, live your life. Whatever might happen, in fact, you never know what will happen, but live your life. And if you, if you don't go f- and go out and do anything, nothing will happen in your life. So it's kind of like saying, just you, you've got to live your life and trust God in faith and take steps in faith and say, okay, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I'm going to trust God. There's a saying, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And if you're waiting for the perfect weather in your life before you set out on your journey, you'll never leave, because stuff happens. Trees fall to the ground, rain falls to the ground, stuff happens, and a lot of it we can't control or predict. 
And it seems a bit random sometimes. You know, where that tree, well, I didn't expect it to fall there, or that rain, I didn't expect it to hit there. But actually, God is involved in these things. God is involved. So don't live fearfully, it's saying, but trust God. Verse 5 says, As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. There's an encouragement here that in everything, we don't know how God works. It's, and it kind of uses this as a comparison. You know, in the womb, God creates a human by his spirit. And we don't know how that happens or what's going to happen. You know, we don't know what colour the eyes of the baby are going to be or what colour the skin's going to be or whether it, what facial features it will have, whether it's going to be hairy or not, you know. Uh, we can only second guess that, but it's a mystery. That's the way God works, isn't it? He does things... Uh, and, we can't see it, but he's doing it, and God works in that way. That's the way the Spirit works. We might start something in a direction and have no idea what God's going to do in that. And that's the way of the Spirit, which is exciting and risky and unpredictable and unsettling and causes us to realise that we are not in control, but he is. In everything, we, we trust ourselves to God's mercy. In everything, we need to know that God is underneath it and undergirding it. <clears throat> and we start off in our direction and we go in, in off on a journey somewhere and we have no idea how God is working in and through it other than through faith we know he is. And so there's an encouragement to know here that in all things, God is at work. Even when we don't even when things don't go the way we expect them to, God is involved in it. Even if they turn out the way, in a different way to how we would have liked, God is involved in it. Because the other thing is, we can't presume we know what the best outcome is. That's a humbling thing, isn't it? I'd like it to happen like this. And God says, no, actually, I have a better idea. What? In all things, he works for the good of those who love him, right? So, there's a kind of an influence here about seeds later on. But imagine this, this and how this works. You know, imagine we have a packet of seeds. And if imagine uh, if they stay in that packet and uh, we don't open the packet, what happens? They remain seeds. Not much use to us, unless you're a bird. Um, but seeds need to be sown, so you need to open the packet... You need to get the seeds out of the packet. You need to prepare the soil. You need to... I'm not a gardener, so correct me if I'm wrong here. You need to sow the seed. You need to, you need to cover the seed normally. Yeah, okay. And then you, you wait, right? You do a bit of watering maybe or let the rain do that and wait. And then you wait. And the thing is, after they're in the ground, you can't make the seeds grow, can you? You can't pull the seeds out and inject them with a bit of grow more juice. You know, you just have to wait. And... I'm sure some science, clever scientists have done this now, but I'd love to know, sort of see thing, the, the seed sort of turn in the thing that it's going to turn into. But eventually we just see it pop out of the ground, right? But underneath the ground, all kinds of stuff's happening. A bit like a, a baby in a womb. And there's nothing we can do about that. And we leave it and we wait and we wait and we wait and then mysteriously the plant pops up. And that's how God works. We set things off and then we give it over to God and, and God then makes things happen. 
Jesus said that's how the kingdom works. Do you remember? He said, you know, it's like a seed. You plant it in the ground and eventually it pops up and that's the kingdom of God. There's a whole lot of stuff going on beneath the surface that you don't know about. You don't even know what's happening, but that is God at work. God in through in all things. Working. Some things appear to be a bit random, but that's we call that the Holy Spirit. And so finally you look at verse 6 and it says, Sow your seed in the morning and at the evening let your hands be not be idle for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that or whether both will do equally well. So there's an encouragement here to be generous in your outgoings. I'm not just talking about money. In fact, I'm talking so much more than money. Be courageous in the things you commit yourselves to. Be unreserved in the things you give out and sow into. Don't withhold your hand. Don't be fearful of loss. Don't hold back for fear of failure. That's, I think that's a big problem for a lot of us, isn't it? We don't set off because we all know this isn't going to work out very well. I know that's for, for me. Don't start because you may, it may be hard. It may be long, we say inside of ourselves. But actually, sow your seed in the morning. Step out in faith. You have no idea how anything will turn out. But I tell you something, if you don't sow your seed, you won't get any crops. I know that for certain. But if you do sow your seed, you will. If you do step out in faith, it may not go the way you expected, but God will hold you. And he will be the one who's taking you forward. You have no idea what's going on underneath the surface. So it's like being be entrepreneurial in faith. Don't live fearfully holding on to stuff. Don't be tight-fisted in a faith sense, you know, like holding on to things with, with like hands like this for security or fear, thinking if I hold on to this, everything will be all right. But live with your hands open, giving, letting go, investing, scattering, and knowing that God, who is all, who is, is all, in all, and who is through all, in him nothing is wasted. So important to know that. In Christ, nothing is wasted. Because he's there. And as we step out of faith, he holds things and he moves things and he changes things and he shapes things according to his will. And he returns some things with success. And he some, returns some things with what seem like failure, but they're... Failure to us may be actually him teaching us something. I heard somebody say just recently that actually the older we get, it's in our failures that God teaches us more. Because we start to realise that actually we learn through the things that go wrong and God teaches us through those, through humility or some other thing. In all things, let things out of our open hand. Give them over to his greater, all in all, overarching hand. You know, when I let things out of my hand, who's got them? He has. He holds things. He guides things. He empowers things. He judges things. He establishes things. He undoes things. He is God. So this whole passage is saying, dare to trust God and allow him to make things happen or not. But just allow them to happen. Don't hold on. Let them out. Step out in faith. There are some people that are here that may need to make decisions. And I would encourage you to, to make considered decisions, particularly on big issues, you know, but take advice from friends. But at some point, you have to step out. 
and you'll have to make the decision and you'll have to go for it. And as you do that, trust it to God and know that he will hold it. For some of us, we, we do need to, to, to give and we need to, to offer of ourselves, whether it's, it could be financial, but it could be in our time, it could be in our service. And as we do so, you make that decision, know that it isn't just a random thing, but God holds it and he'll carry you and he'll carry it. And so to the cautious, indecisive procrastinators and perfectionists like me, God's saying go for it, whatever it is. And to those who are a bit more spontaneous and instinctive and impulsive and generally more like risk takers, God wants to say to you, even when it goes wrong, because actually it does sound to sometimes if you're a bit rushed and a bit hurried sometimes, but God is in that. He's with you in it. So do it in faith. And in all things, I just want to wrap it up with a verse from, from Romans which says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because it's God's mercy that holds this, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And actually in all of this, it's actually saying, offer yourselves. Offer yourselves and know that God holds you in faith. <coughs> Let's pray. And see God, where God takes us. Lord, we thank you for these words of wisdom. Strange as they may sound to us in some ways. But words of eternal truth which come from your heart. And speak to us and speak to our hearts. I pray, encourage us with these words. Uh, where you encourage us to step out in faith. I pray for people here. If there are people making decisions or having to, to deal with big things where they've got to make uh, a this way or that way decision, you would give them the courage to make the decision and to know that you are there with them and that as they step out in faith, you are going to hold them and you're going to take this whole scenario and, and move it in your way and your will. I pray for us where we, there are people that have, feel called to give out of themselves, to offer of themselves, and maybe there's fear and, and or what ifs. I pray, give them assurance that you are there and by and through faith know that you are working in all things. I pray, open our eyes to see that in everything you are involved. Everything from where the rain falls and the trees fall to all the, the intricate things and the small things in our life that you are involved in all those things and that you desire for all of us to say, yes, step out in faith. So encourage us and allow us and enable us to be people of faith who walk and do and live in ways of trust and dependence on you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace in our lives. And I pray, let there be stories from within our congregation, within this family here saying well I, I tried this and I stepped out in faith and God took me on this direction or that direction let us know in all things you are at work help us to trust you we look forward to hearing those stories thank you Lord Jesus Amen, Amen.